good morning to all of you uh, there in the fellowship hall uh, joining us by way of our modern service there as we join together in not only two rooms, but those of you who are online as well. So good to have you with us. Luke chapter 5, you can go ahead and turn there and find your place as we continue in our series in the Gospel of Luke. Last week, looking at Jesus' inaugural sermon, the sermon where he said, this is who I am, this is what I came to do. And this past week, I was reminded of what it is like to be invited to join a team. My son plays middle school basketball, and the guys didn't have practice because school was out on Monday, and so there were a couple of us dads who uh, got our guys together, and we went to the rec center, and for a couple of hours, we just played uh, basketball together, and so what we ended up doing, instead of just kind of full court with uh, just one team, we divided it up into several teams, and so to do that, you had to have captains, and so I was brought back to my childhood when the captains were picking people. You remember that? Are you going to get picked, or are you not going to get picked, you know? And so um, back in elementary school, recess, man, we go running out. I love to play football at recess, and all the guys would go out there, but maybe a better example would be um, when our class would go out in elementary school and the boys and the girls, not just the guys playing football, but everyone would go out for P.E. And we went out to the baseball field to play kickball. Love kickball. Now, now here, here is where it gets a little bit nervous when, you come, when it comes to selecting teams because some of you guys back in the day were real, real athletic. And so you might get picked to be the captain and you get to pick everybody. And if you weren't the captain, you'd, you'd select that, that, that really good athletic person and, and the two of you would kind of join. Hey, who should we get? You know, you're kind of feeling pretty good, feeling pretty private. But then there are some of you, let's be honest, I'm with you. It's okay. You just weren't the most athletic. All right. You just, I'm, I'm not trying to lock eyes with anybody here. All right. I'll just kind of go like this. So I'm not picking on you. Right. You're not the most athletic and you know, you just kind of waited and waited. And, I, and I, you know, I do have the gift of mercy. I just felt bad for those people who were, the, who were the last there. And what they're doing is something we instinctively do, and that is we select people to come join us based on our ability, based on, on how we perform. Or how about this? There's a, there's a second way that we, we invite people to come uh, be a part of our team or a part of our organization. Did you know college football was over? I know none of you college, follow college football in here at all, right? College football's done, and now we kind of pivot, and we move towards what's called the draft. And that is where organizations will ask young men to come, and they'll pay them lots and lots of money if they get picked uh, in those first couple of rounds to come and be a part of their organization. But here's what you'll, what you'll find. Not only do those organizations look at those guys that played college football this past year and say, let's see what they were able to do, but let's also judge them on their potential to perform in the future. In other words, there are some college guys that were outstanding in college, but when they get to the pros, they just never, ever make it because that potential is tapped out. They've just reached the peak of their performance athletically, and so, therefore, they're kind of cast off to the side. And this is how we select people. Now, Jesus doesn't do this. 
When we come to Luke chapter 5, we're going to see Jesus do something that is very, very powerful. And we can kind of just blow right through it and think of Jesus calling some men to be with them. And it was kind of this random thing. Yeah, you come if you want to, but it was incredibly intentional because Luke chapter 6 tells us that he prayed all night before he selected the 12. It was incredibly intentional, but it's incredibly encouraging for you and me as we see Jesus call not only men to do ministry and to multiply ministry, but he calls every single one of you as well. So let's look at Luke chapter 5. Let's read this short, short story, eight verses long. We're going to pick it up in verse 4, and then we're going uh, just to draw a couple of things from the text this morning, and and then we'll be done, all right? Luke chapter 5, verse 4. If you have your place, there's a copy of the Bible in the pew rack in front of you if you're here in this room. If you're in the other room, uh, just raise your hand. On occasion, we'll have someone say, hey, I need a need a Bible, that is yours, our gift to you. If you're over there in the modern services, raise your hand when the deacons will come running. Digital device, go ahead and turn it on to Luke chapter 5 and read with me in verse 4. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning out of respect, great reverence, not only for the day that Jesus performed this miracle, but for the work of the Holy Spirit through his Word as well. Verse 4, and it says this, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners, and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. What a great story. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in our time this morning. Here's what we first of all want to understand this morning out of this text, and it is this, that Jesus invites you to imitate him and to reproduce him in the lives of other people. Here's Jesus' invitation to you, not based on your ability, not based on your potential, but Jesus is inviting every single one of you, every, every single face I see this morning and face that I can see through that lens this morning. He is inviting every single one of you to imitate him and to replicate his life in the lives of other 
people. Now understand this about Jesus. Jesus could have done ministry alone, but he chose not to do so. We understand this not only by the story that we see here in Luke chapter 5 where he calls Simon and Andrew and James and John. They were fishing partners there in the Sea of Galilee, but he also calls eight other men, and he calls them to be with him. And Luke places it right at the beginning, Luke chapter 5, at the beginning of his ministry, because I think Luke and all the other gospel writers want to prove a point that Jesus just didn't come to be a one-man band. Now, he very well could have been, and it starts out that way. In Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus, and he just takes off in ministry. He's, he's preaching, and he's teaching, and in Luke chapter 4, we, he casts out a, a demon, and his popularity begins to spread. News begins to filter out that in every place in the surrounding region, it says there that this Jesus is something special. He has great, great power. In verse 40 of Luke chapter 4, those who were sick, all those who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every single one of them, and he healed them. At the end of Luke chapter 4, he tries to sneak away to a desolate place. Ministry's hard. Ministry's tiring. He wants to get away. He wants to rest. He wants to Sabbath. He wants to pray. But he can't do it because they're, they're cornering Jesus and, they're, and, and they keep pressing him. And, and he finally says to them, look, at the end of Luke chapter 4, here's the deal. I've got to get to these other towns and preach the gospel to these other towns also because they need to hear the gospel. And so we come to Luke chapter 5, same thing. He's teaching and they begin to crowd him. He's by the seashore. They begin to crowd him. And that's why he turns to Simon in the text we just read and he says, can I climb in your boat? Absolutely, come on. And he sits down to teach, and, and they move out a little from the land, has instant amphitheater there for him to preach, but he's continually being pressed. And here's the point. Jesus does not want to do ministry all by himself, but we come to Luke chapter 5, and I think it's as if Luke hits a pause button and says, put a place marker here. This ministry is going to continue. He is the front and center. It's not like Jesus is going to take a backseat in ministry, but here's what he's doing. He's bringing, inviting men with him. Not only so that he no longer just ministers by himself, this great, great teacher, this great, great minister. But here's what he's doing. He's giving his life to these men. He's going to walk with them for three years. They're going to leave everything, it says at the end of the text. We're with you. And they become like him. Mark puts it this way. I love simple phrase in Mark. Mark chapter 3. Jesus called them to be with him so that he might send them. From the very beginning, Jesus' intentionality is very, very clear. I want to leave behind a legacy. Not only in the three years that I'm there where my legacy's expanded and my ministry's expanded, but hey, after 36 months, I'm gone. And what's going to happen? What's going to be left? And that's why Jesus replicates his life in the lives of those men who follow him in Luke chapter 5 here. And they, in turn, multiply the life of Jesus in other lives and for generation upon generation upon generation, 
all the way down to you and me, the life of Jesus is being multiplied. And so it is that Jesus calls every single one of us. He invites us in this morning to imitate him, to be with him, to know him, and then to turn around and share him with others, to reproduce the life of Jesus in our homes, to reproduce the life of Jesus in this body, in our life groups, in our discipleship groups, in our Bible studies, in our men's studies, in our women's studies. The aim of all of those things just isn't to study for information's sake. It's transformation so that we become like Jesus in order for the life of Jesus to continue on in my wife and in my kids and in, in you and in, in those that God has called me to shepherd here in an intimate way. Those, those three guys that God has placed in my heart to, to lead in a discipleship group every Wednesday morning, and they shepherd me, and we together walk with one another around the Word of God, and I hear from them, and I grow with them already three weeks into it. I'm learning. I'm growing with them so that the life of Jesus continues in them and in me, and it goes on and on and on and on. And this is what Jesus is after. Because he could have been a one-man show. He, he could have said, I, I'm it. Follow me. Hey, hey, get this. You ready for this? When Jesus is done and he leaves earth, guess how many followers he has? Doesn't have a megachurch. <laughs> Doesn't have thousands upon thousands of followers. Oh, that'll come. He's got 120 men and women that he's poured into and the disciples have poured into in an upper room praying for the Holy Spirit to come so that they can go out and multiply the life of Jesus and other people. You see how it works. Listen, here, here, here's an illustration I read recently, and it, I think it, it has application. I know it does for your pastor and, and for our church to have this type of multiplication happen in our body. Two types of trees, all right? I read this, and I thought this was so good. Two types of trees. The first is a banyan tree. Anyone ever hear of a banyan tree? B-A-N-Y-A-N. There's a picture of it. It's beautiful. Beautiful tree. But here's the thing. The banyan tree... It's massive, so massive that its branches and its leaves begin to expand out to the point. It becomes so big, it becomes so complex, it becomes so heavy that to accommodate it, these other trunks, these other, these secondary trunks come down from the main branches to support it. Now, that's wonderful for all the animals. That's wonderful for all the nests and all the, um, and the shade and all of those sorts of things. But it's bad for growth because you see what's underneath that banyan tree there? What do you see? Nothing. Kind of barren. Not much fruit at all. And, and there is no fruit. It can't grow. Just the nature of the tree, the its size and its, and its roots and all of that. But contrast this. This is what someone wrote. Contrast this with a banana tree. Here's a banana tree. You're looking from the bottom up into the banana tree. Notice how this is different. You ready? The banana tree is completely opposite. And within six months, the shoots begin to sprout up around the main trunk. So instead of trunks growing 
down from the branches, you have shoots around the tree. And within another six months, there's another set of shoots to join the sprouts that are now six months old. And at 18 months, bananas begin to grow out of the main trunk of the tree. And every six months, the cycle is repeated again and again until banana trees and bananas begin to grow fruitful and multiply as they're spread out. Now, here's what one writer said. Hang with me here, all right? Many ministries are like the banyan tree. They're strong and they're complex, but they're massive, and they need all the secondary trunks to support the weight. But nothing ultimately grows underneath. There is no successor. The ministry grows and then dies with the person who started that ministry. The banana tree, on the other hand, makes it an intentional part of their church culture to reproduce other leaders, to reproduce disciples, to give people the opportunity to lead, to succeed, and to fail. They push people out of their comfort zones to continue bearing fruit alongside their own ministry. Jesus could have been a Banyan-style leader. He could have had a tremendous ministry, but he would have had difficulty finding a successor because Banyan-style leaders do not generate other leaders and disciples, only followers. And it's possible to grow followers in a relatively short period of time. And that's useful. That's not a bad thing. But when the leader goes away, you are left only with a heavily dependent group of people programmed with a list of instructions. Wow. And I said, Lord, when I read that, Lord, I long for banana tree ministry. I'm not going to wear any of those banana suits you see at basketball games. I'm not putting one of those on. <laughs> but I long for a ministry in which I replicate myself in others and leaders replicate themselves in others. And people begin to step out. People begin to like Jesus called Peter to cast their net into the deeper waters and to begin to step out and to say, Jesus, I'll follow you and I'll, I'll serve or I'll reach or I'll walk with someone else. Or I, I, Hey, look, here's the deal. Whenever you have conversations like this, this is what I've learned at Taylor's First Baptist Church, you got this huge, huge funnel. And there are some of you who are just at the top of the funnel. There are some of you who perhaps are here for the very first time. And look, that your first step towards following Jesus and becoming like him and seeing his life reproduced in other people, your very first step might be to, to go to dinner with the staff tomorrow. We have a wonderful opportunity for you to come and to be a part of our church. We'll give you a free meal. You have an opportunity to do that. I invite you to come see me right outside these doors here, guest services in the modern service. Just come around there and we'll, we'll get you hooked up. That might be your first step towards Jesus doing an incredible work in your life. You've been outside this funnel. You've been hanging out. And now it's time to, to get in. Others of you, all of us, we're somewhere in this funnel. We're somewhere taking steps to be like Christ and reproduce Jesus. And you, I don't know where you are, but all of us aren't there yet. I, I fully understand that. 
But here is my heart. For some of us, we're in that funnel. We've been in it a long, long time. <laughs> You've been in the funnel for, for a time where, where church, you're just kind of kind of coming a little bit, kind of participating a little bit. It's something on the side that I do. It's something to kind of add on if I can. And some of you, there's something holding you back from, from diving down deep a little bit more. Maybe it's you just don't know how. Maybe we just haven't been clear enough with you. But I don't know what it is. But here, here is my heart is that as your pastor, this is what I'm called to do, is to have a banana-style ministry where in that funnel, people that I, I saw as I sat over here, just watched you, lined up out here. I watched every single one of you, and I thought, there's great potential there. There is great potential there for that person to not only become like Christ, but to transform other lives for Christ. There's incredible potential in this line right over here. I see your faces. And, and, and it's not based on your ability. It's not based on your potential. It's based on the incredible authority of Jesus as we just saw. And I long for every single one of you to work your way through this funnel so that every day more and more, whether it's through your life group, whether it's through your reach group, whether it's through your discipleship group, no matter what it is, I pray that this year, 2017, is a year where you begin to work your way down. And your goal and my goal together is this, that you become more and more like Christ. And you have great influence in those around you. Because when Jesus called Peter and Andrew, when he said to Peter that day, Peter... From now on, you're going to catch men. You know what? Jesus just wasn't concerned about Peter's spirituality. He just wasn't concerned about Peter's growth in Christ. He was concerned about that, but he was also concerned. Peter, there are people that you will reach. Peter, do you understand that as you become like me, you go out my life. I'm here three, three years, Peter. I'm gone. But my life in you, there's a sense of urgency here, in you for the sake of other people. Peter, I invite you, come with me. Church, come. Come with Jesus. Some of you, some of you need to come in 2017 to Christ. Be a part of this body. And, and here's, here's what happens. Thought number two this morning. Everyone is invited. Everybody is invited because Jesus transforms any weakness or any failure that you might have. Here is the tendency is to say, not me. You don't know, and I don't. You don't know my past. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what the church has done to me. You don't know. You don't know where I've been, so don't even go there. I'm just, hey, I'll give a little bit here and there. I'll come, you know, a little bit, but I'm not going to invest fully in the life of the body because, because you just don't understand. Look at, look at Peter here. Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, let, let's go out into the deep, and, and I want to show you. I want to show you my authority, Peter. I want to show you who I really am. And Peter, you know, if Peter had thought bubbles, I'd love to know what those thought bubbles are. Sometimes Peter didn't need thought bubbles. He just blurted it out, right? But if Peter had thought bubbles, as they begin to, to push away from the shore a little bit, and they're going out a little bit deeper, I think the thought bubbles might go something like this. Who is this guy? All right. 
He's a good teacher. Um, but his daddy is a carpenter, and no carpenter is going to tell a fisherman how to fish. And I understand he, he's got this great, great power. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here a little bit, and, and, and I'm going to just try and think of something to say. And finally, he says this, Master, here's the deal. We, we have been out here all night, and we haven't caught anything. Master, I, I, I've been here. I know. I've done this, and you don't, you don't know. You're telling me to do this miracle, but we've been here. And if anyone had a right to say it, it was St. Peter. When we went to Israel, I might have told you this story before. When we went to Israel, it was on Thanksgiving Day that we were on the Sea of Galilee. And so for our lunch that day, before we went out on the sea for the very first time, is absolutely beautiful just being out there and thinking about Jesus and the disciples being out there on a boat. But we ate lunch at this... Um, at this little restaurant, and we didn't have turkey and dressing. It wasn't ham and sweet potato casserole. It was fish and fish. That's all, that's all you had to eat. And here were your choices. You could either have the fish filleted and done up a little bit, or you could have the fish whole. And when I mean whole, what I mean by that is they pull it out of the sea, they wash it down, we hope, and then they put it in a frying pan, and they put it on your plate, and there it is. Tail eyes, the whole deal. Go at it. And I was like, I think I'll take the other one. I think I'll take the filleted one for today, right? And, and you eat, and it's called St. Peter's Fish. Yeah, I mean, and listen, here's the deal. If Saint, if they're pulling fish out of a lake, if they're feeling fish out of the pond in your backyard and they're naming the fish after you, that is your world. That is, you own that lake. Peter owns that lake. That is his world. And he says to Jesus, Master, we've tried this already, but at your word, I'll put my net down. I'll do it. And it changed his life forever. And, and, and here's where I think some of you might be this morning. Okay, I was thinking about this a lot this week. Jesus is calling some of you to, in 2017, to step in and to lead. Some of you just step in and to join. Jesus is calling some of you, but, but I think there are a couple of things that might get in the way. And you might be like Peter, and the thought bubbles might come up and say, been there, right? So some of you might be discouraged. Your sin or, or your failure, you've messed up. You know what? The church is a place of messed up people, saved by God's grace and made into the person of Jesus Christ. It's okay. It's okay. Um, watch the life of Peter. He's going to mess it up all the way to the end. I promise you. All right? There's hope for you if you're discouraged because you might say, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to keep at a distance. Men, this is where we are. This is where we are. We, we, we don't think we measure up. We can't be the leader of our house. And so, therefore, we're, we're going to push away. All right? And Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth because he showed Peter, Peter, I know where those fish are, and I know where you are. I know everything about you. I, here's the beautiful thing. I know you're going to mess up again. I know you're going to screw it up again, but I'm still calling you. Come with me. Come with me. Some of you are discouraged this morning. Some of you, um, 
this morning are distracted. This past Wednesday, as I'm teaching my class, I love my class on Wednesday nights, we just get to get around tables together and we get to walk through disciple making together. And I asked him the other, this past Wednesday, I said, okay, what is it that keeps us back? What is it that holds us back from fully engaging like Jesus did in the lives of other people, whether it's here at church or, or outside the church? What, and someone raised their hands the very first when it is, we, we get distracted. Yes, we get distracted. We get distracted. We get in our own channels. We get in our own lanes. We get in our own world. We get in our own busyness. And, 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 and we wake up and another year has gone by and, and we have simply let time slip away. It's, it's nothing like intentional where you're just like antagonistic to Jesus. It's, it's not like you're just rebellious against him. It's just, you know what? Uh, I, got, I got to do other things, right? Here's the last thing. I think some of you are discontent this morning. Might not be all of you. Might be just a few of you. Might be a bunch of you. I don't know who it might be, but, but listen. Listen, here's the deal. I sense it in some of you as your pastor. Remember here, I'm speaking to the big funnel. There's some of you, your first time here. I got that. I got that. Oh, my, I just need to speak, speak truthfully here. As pastor, I, I understand that some of you are, are discontent. Some of you, I, I hear it. I hear it. You say it. I hear it <laughs> eventually. I get it. I get some of you, oh, things aren't the way they, they used to be. Oh, oh, the pastor, I, I, I wish he was a better communicator. I wish he, I wish he was a better, better leader. I, I, I wish the pastor this, that, and the other, or the leadership of the church. We, we don't get what the leadership, oh, we don't trust the leadership of the church. We, we don't, hey, listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to make light of that. I understand. Listen, your pastor and your pastors. I love this picture phrase that someone gave. A pastor is, is a sheep. <laughs> A smelly sheep whom God has called to rise up on his back legs and lead the rest of the sheep. I'm that sheep. I'm that smelly sheep that God has called in his weakness and to depend upon God. And God has humbled this pastor. God has brought me to my... But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm trying to lead you towards Jesus. And if you want to know the heart of your pastor... You want to know the hard you had? Here it is. Last week, nothing has stirred me more than hearing Jesus talk about reaching people with the gospel. Nothing has stirred me more than to see Jesus, who could do it all, charismatic, big-time ministry, say, I'm going to invest in 12. Man, I wake up as your pastor saying, how do we reach? How do we multiply? It's our values, two values, multiplying disciple makers, reaching the unreached. And here's the deal. I don't want you to be discontent. I don't want you to stew in it. I don't want you to want it to hold you back. If you need answers, you come to your pastor and we'll give you answers. But here is the time in 2017 to say this, that if that's the goal, pastor, if this is the heart of this church and this is the heart of Jesus, I'm not saying come follow me. I'm saying come follow the chief shepherd and I'm chasing him and I'm holding on to his coattails and I'm saying come with me. Taylors, this place can be reawakened. Taylors, this place can see the gospel sent out to the ends of the world. Taylors, you can grow. Every single one of you can become like Christ and have incredible influence in the world around you. 
That's the heart of this gospel. And I don't want you to be discontent. I don't want you holding back. The time is now. And we're working it out. I I don't have all the answers. I, I don't have all the details. But I do know this. I know where we're going. And we're going to reach. And my heart is to see every single face that I'm looking at this morning. Like Jesus. You know why? Here's why. Because I will stand accountable for you one day. And I, I won't be asked how big was your church. I won't be asked how much money did you give to the cooperative program. I won't be asked, you know, did you visit the hospitals every single week? All those things are important. I'll be asked, did you pour your life out for the sake of your sheep to become like Christ? And I can't wait to see what God will do. I can't wait to see what God will do through the Gospel of Luke. I can't wait to see what God will do through you because it's about you. It's not about me. It's about the sheep doing the work of ministry. So this morning, I, I just come to you and I just say this. Whatever it is, just, just cast it in the deep because Jesus has all authority and Jesus longs to bring you with him. Not based on your ability, not based on your potential, but on but I'm the one who said all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. It's mine. So go and make disciples. We pray with me now, Father. I just pray your spirit would work. Lord, I pray your spirit would move. Lord, we confess this morning our sin. We confess our weakness. We confess our limitedness, our human, we're just human. And apart from Christ, Jesus says, we can do nothing. So I pray for your Holy Spirit. I need your help. These people, your sheep, they need your help. The work of transformation is only a work from within. Would you do it? Would you do it? That one who doesn't know Christ sitting there thinking, I'm so distant from all of this. Would you work in their heart? The one who has it all together spiritually on the outside, but on the inside, there's a dryness. There's a coldness. There's an apathy. Would your spirit move? Would you move in our church? 
Lord, may your people hear their pastor calling them to Christ, not to him, to Christ, and to help us. Will you heal? Would you work? So that there is a spirit of sweetness and joy. This is your body. This is your church. Would you call us to that next step, whatever it might be? And like Peter, we'll simply respond at your word. At your word. We pray this in Jesus' name.